The mask wars are raging again. President Trump is making cinematic videos, taking his mask off. Bill de Blasio and Joe Biden are filming dramatic scenes, putting their masks on. And California is mandating masks in between sips and bites at lunch. I kid you not. Liberals don't seem to understand why the masks have to be political. Why do they have to be political? They ask. That's because these highly political people don't seem to understand what politics is. And that's why they're messing up the politics all the way looking through November. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment from yesterday is from Kyle. The only thing more dangerous than COVID-19 is Biden 20. Wow, that is good. That is pithy and absolutely correct. The mask wars are back. The mask wars are back and everyone thinks we're all fighting about science, but we're not fighting about science. We're fighting about politics. President Trump, you may have seen it when he beat the China virus in three days and using only the power of McDonald's French fries and his pure covfefe. President Trump uh, flies back to the White House and films this cinematic video where he gets back, he gets off the helicopter, he walks up to the portico and he takes the mask off. So this could be a, a movie trailer for a Michael Bay movie. I mean, this is pretty, pretty well shot. Pretty intense. <laughs> high budget, high energy. Marine walks off, the president walks off. Notice, by the way, everyone's still wearing masks at this point when they're all close to each other. Gets up to that portico. Huge shot from beneath. And then the mask is off, he salutes, it's gone. There's a lot to this message. I know, I mean, we're kind of joking that it's like some giant $200 million Michael Bay movie or something, but there is a lot to this message, which is the president is willing to take prudent steps if he's got this virus and he's next to a Marine, but then when he's out there in the open on the portico, he's going to take it off. He's not going to live in fear of this thing when there's no reason to. Bill de Blasio filmed a response video to this. Seriously, like a teenager on YouTube filming a response video. He steps outside of Gracie Mansion, I take it, or outside of City Hall, and he walks over to his portico and he puts his mask on. Holding up the mask for everybody to see. Then he puts it on. It's kind of a funny idea. It's just a lame performance. Then he salutes the people. And then he walks back inside. So this is one mistake the left makes generally, which is that Trump sets the conversation and then everyone reacts to it. It's kind of a funny idea, right? If you, if you have this political disagreement, again, notice I'm saying not a scientific disagreement, a political disagreement about the masks. Trump says we sh- we, the mask is a symbol. You shouldn't be afraid of the virus. You shouldn't live your life cowering in fear. And then the left saying, you should be very, very afraid, stay in your apartment, don't go anywhere. If you have that political disagreement, it's kind of funny to post that response video, except that Trump is setting the tone, right? So everything, he's just shot for shot. He's just performing the, the Trump scene. Same thing with Joe Biden. Joe Biden has a side by side. He posts it to Twitter, Trump on the left, Biden on the right. Even that, even that as a matter of stagecraft, very stupid for the left because 
the left side of the screen is the stronger side of the screen. It's the same reason that stage right, so when you're in, in the audience, the people who are on the left, is the stronger side of the stage. We read left to right, and he puts Trump on the left, and he puts Biden on the right, and Trump is taking the mask off. Biden is putting the mask on. In California, they've taken this to the craziest extreme. They posted a PSA from the office of the governor of California saying, going out to eat with members of your household this weekend, don't forget to keep your mask on in between bites. Do your part to keep those around you healthy. Slow the spread. That sounds like a great way to get marinara sauce all over your mask. I have this idea of you're, you go out to an Italian restaurant, you go, you get your spaghetti and meatballs, you know, you've got your mask on, then you lower your mask a little, you slurp up the spaghetti and meatballs, the sauce going everywhere. You've got this filthy mask, but that, that will keep you safe. Obviously at this point, they are just trolling us. Nobody seriously thinks that you should have your bite of pasta and then you kind of lower the mask, you put it in and you pick it back up, touching your face the whole time. Nobody, nobody seriously believes that. And obviously Gavin Newsom, not a scientist, not a medical expert. He is a politician. And this disagreement is a political one. No one seems to want to talk about that. And no one even seems to understand what we're talking about because they say it's about public health. The phrase public health means health from a political perspective. Public, the word public means political. What is politics? Politics is how we all live together. That's, that's what it means. It comes from the word polis, like the Greek city-states. How do we all get along together? The reason the left doesn't understand this, the reason that the left is now censoring conservatives whenever we make any point on this, is because the left, the progressive left, has succeeded at making everything political the shoes I wear, the coffee I drink, every single thing is political except for politics, except for genuinely political decisions such as how we're allowed to go eat at restaurants, how we're allowed to walk about in society, how we're allowed to interact with one another. Those are the most political decisions that there possibly can be by definition. That has been taken away from the people. That we're no longer allowed to talk about. That has been given to so-called experts who maybe they know a thing or two about some particular field of medical science, but they don't know a damn thing about politics. And that is what the problem is. We are actually talking past each other right now. CNN typified this so beautifully just yesterday. It, it really makes you think. It really makes you think that people have, are, are simply not literate anymore. So we don't even know what we're talking about. But if you want to think a lot better and be more literate, you've got to check out Thinker at thinker.org. They summarize the key ideas from new and noteworthy nonfiction, giving you access to an entire library of great books in bite-sized form. You can read or listen to hundreds of titles in a matter of minutes. You got old classics like Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. You've got recent bestsellers like Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. Thinker offers a large variety of titles across a ton of categories. They've got current affairs, politics, business, education, history, relationships. They, got, they have everything. They've, they've got our very own Ben Shapiro's Right Side of History. They've got Matt Walsh's The Unholy Trinity. What about, do they have reasons to vote for Democrats? I hope they do. I hope they do. I, I love it. You've heard about Thinker on my PragerU show, The Book Club. We love these guys. If you want to challenge your preconceptions, if you want to expand your horizons, most importantly of all, if you want to sound smart at cocktail parties, go to thinker.org, T-H-I-N-K-R, no E, no time for that, .org. Start a free trial, download the app today. Let them know that you heard about it on The Michael Knowles Show. That is Thinker, T-H-I-N-K-R, no E, 
No time for that. Thinker.org. This is a political issue. There is a scientific component too. I'm not even talking about that. I don't even care about that really. I'm just talking about the politics because that's the only one that people don't seem to understand. Caitlin Collins over at CNN was furious, just like de Blasio was, just like Biden was, that Trump took his mask off. She tweets out, only days into his diagnosis, the first thing President Trump does when he gets back to the White House is take his mask off. Oh, how angry she is, except, except for this. In the White House briefing room, remember now everyone's super nervous about COVID. She's in the White House briefing room. The cameras, she thinks, are off. They're not really off, but she thinks they're off. There's still a bunch of people in the White House briefing room. She steps up, takes her mask off. So the White House staff leave. Still a ton of reporters in there. Caitlin Collins stands up. She takes the mask off. There it is. It's off. It's gone. She's upset when Trump does it. She's not upset when she does it. She probably wasn't even thinking about it in her defense. It's not like some nefarious thing. It's because this has become so political. It's become so political now that in that Trump video, he's not saying don't wear a mask ever. He's saying don't make people feel comfortable ever. He doesn't, he's not even saying that. He's wearing a mask in part of the video. And then when he is alone, so far away from everybody on the White House portico outside, he takes the mask off. They're saying you're not allowed to do that even outside. People, when you walk around in California outside, they will scowl at you if you don't have a mask on. But the medical experts don't seem to have a problem with walking around outside with a mask off. The president of the Italian Society of Anti-Infection Therapy said on Tuesday that Italy's new political decision, policy to mandate outdoor mask wearing is a mistake. Dr. Matteo Bassetti, who is the director of infectious diseases at San Martino Hospital in Genoa, he said that the prime, minister, the prime minister's decision, the political decision to impose outdoor masks has no basis in science. He says, the use of masks only makes sense in confined spaces where it's not possible to have certainty and guarantee of the necessary physical distancing or outdoors when you cannot maintain physical distancing. I have tried to look for scientific evidence on the use of outdoor masks and their potential benefits for transmission of virus, but could find none. No matter, this is a political symbol. It is. There's no use in complaining about that. When the liberals say, gosh, I just don't understand why this has to be political. What they're really saying is, gosh, I don't understand why everyone doesn't agree with my politics. That's what it is. And I'm using liberal liberally here. You know, there are obviously left-wing liberals, but there's some right-wing liberals too, kind of more libertarian types. Though interestingly on the masks, the libertarians are very anti-mask, but that's, that's sort of another political issue. I'm talking about the kind of squishy Republicans who say, oh gosh, come on, it doesn't need to be a political issue. That's because they've accepted many premises of liberalism, okay, which is fine. I guess that's their prerogative, but they at least ought to understand that politics is bigger than that. Politics is what we do in public. You know, the, the radicals of the 1960s had a slogan that talked about how they were going to obliterate this distinction here. They said the personal is the political. Another version of that is that the private is the public. Public and political mean the same thing. The personal is the political. What does that mean? What that means is that every decision that we make is now a political decision. How you relate to your husband, that's totally political. How you relate to your kids, totally political. But the irony of this was 
that more and more and more actual political decisions were taken away and they were given to experts. They were given to bureaucrats. They were given to the administrative state. They were given to the deep state. That's all, all terms for the same thing. Woodrow Wilson planned on this. Mac Daddy of left-wing progressivism in America. He planned it out. He wrote it all out. He said that we now live in this age of Charles Darwin, this age of evolution, this age of perfecting society. And so we've got to listen to the scientific experts. And we can't let these, these stupid people, these, these ruffians, go out there and screw up our science. So we're going to give all the real political decisions to these bureaucrat, technocrat, data scientists, the medical geniuses. And then we're going to have them all fight over a bunch of stupid nonsense like coffee and, and sneakers and TV shows and things like that. And so far it's worked very well. But there is an alternative. The question of, should we wear masks outside? Maybe has a scientific component to it. Although that Italian epidemiologist says there's no scientific reason to wear masks outside. But it, might, it has a scientific question to it. But it has a political question, which is, if I found out tomorrow, I'm just, this is purely hypothetical. If I found out tomorrow that us all wearing masks all the time outside would extend our life by five years on average and not wearing masks outside would decrease our life by five years on average, I would still not want to wear masks outside. Why? Because that's not the society I want to live in. You know, a, a breath is a symbol of our life. Okay, you see it all through the Bible, you see it all throughout literature. If we are now not allowed to see each other smile, if we are now not allowed to communicate with each other without it being muffled, if we are now not allowed to see each other's beautiful faces, if we are now not allowed to get the sunshine on our face, if we're not allowed to get a smile, that's worth five years to me. That total, of course it is. Now, the premise here for the secular leftists, the liberals, is they say that all that life's about is extending the time you're on this earth as long as possible. For conservatives, we don't believe that. <laughs> we think, look, okay, maybe you live 80 years, maybe you live 85 years. I mean, I don't know, I want to live as long as I can, but this isn't it. There's more to life than just existing. Right now, we know, as from a public health perspective, we know if we, if we banned automobiles, we would save how many people per year? tens and tens of thousands of people per year would be saved if we banned automobiles. That is a public health decision. So are we going to do it? I don't think so. Why not? Because you don't care about human life? I guess you're not pro-life, huh? No, it's because we're willing to accept some risk in society. And we'd rather live in a society that has automobiles than in a society that does not have automobiles. But that's a public health decision. This is what they try to do on guns. They say guns are a public health decision. Guns kill however many people per year. So we got to ban the guns and then, look, this is not politics. Why does this have to be political? Just guns. <laughs> because we're talking about how it relates to the public. So that is political. And I don't care how many times Dr. Fauci insists that he gets to run our country for us. He doesn't. That's not our constitutional system. It has been perverted more and more into a system like that but I ain't having it. Politics is not a dirty word. The, the right sometimes plays into this because we say, oh, we want to depoliticize everything. Yeah, I want to depoliticize. I want to make less a matter of partisanship, matters of our private lives, but I want more politics. I want an actual authentic politics where we can discuss the issues and not just pretend that there's only one answer to everything. And coincidentally, that answer has, happens to be the liberal answer. 
There's, <laughs> we're talking about safety all the time. Well, there's different kinds of safety. There's the safety about when we go out in public. There's the safety of when you go on the internet. When you go on the internet, you need LifeLock because identity fraud is very, very real. Synthetic identity fraud is one of the fastest growing financial crimes in the United States. It happens when criminals use a combination of fake and real information to create an entirely new identity. They combine real personally identifiable information, such as your social security number, with a fake name and a fake address to open bank accounts, seek credit, even obtain health insurance. Seriously, monitoring your credit is not enough. You could miss certain threats. Luckily, there's LifeLock. LifeLock detects a wide range of identity threats like your social security number for sale on the dark web. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but you can find out if your information is on the dark web. Get your free dark web scan at lifelock.com slash scan. Very easy. S-C-A-N. Pick the plan that's right for you. Save up to 25% off the first year with promo code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. You got to remember two things, scan and Knowles. But don't scan Knowles. Don't scam Knowles either. That's a free scan at lifelock.com slash scan, 25% off with promo code Knowles. Go do it right now. The problem here is that under the guise of non-political politics, the radical leftists are remaking all of our political decisions. Facebook, just yesterday, censored a post from President Trump. Some radical left oligarchs in Silicon Valley are censoring the duly elected president. They did that because he compared the coronavirus to the flu. And he said that America should learn to live with the illnesses because the illnesses are here to stay. They censored him for making a comparison. He didn't say the flu is the coronavirus. He didn't say that they are exactly the same. He didn't really say anything that was of a particularly medical nature. He made a comparison and the left says, you can't, you're not allowed to make that comparison anymore. That is not scientific fact checking. That is political censorship. Flu season is coming up, writes the president. Many people every year, sometimes over 100,000, and despite the vaccine, die from the flu. That's true. That's very true. Are we, going to disclose, are we going to close down our country? No, we have to learn to live with it, just like we are learning to live with COVID. In most populations, it's far less lethal. Also true. Not saying in the entire population, it's far less lethal. Saying that in most populations, for very old people or the immune compromised, it's more lethal. But for young people, for babies, for instance, far less lethal. Facebook's COVID-19 misinformation policies, which March uh, saw introduced into the company, say they will remove misinformation about the coronavirus when it could contribute to imminent physical harm. What misinformation did you see in President Trump's comment? Facebook spokesman says, her name is Liz Bourgeois. What a name. (laughs) What a, what an apt name. Liz Bourgeois. She says, We remove incorrect information about the severity of COVID-19 and have now removed this post. There was no incorrect information here. What did he say about the severity of COVID-19? He says, uh, COVID in most populations is less lethal than the flu. That's obviously true. All the data back that up. Not in most national populations, in most populations within a country is what he's saying. Obviously true. That's all he said about COVID. The rest he said about the flu. He said flu season's coming up. True. Many people every year get the flu. True. Sometimes it's over 100,000. True. Despite the vaccine, people die from the flu. Very true. 
Are we going to learn, are we going to close down our country? That's a political question. You see, what are you going to fact check politics now? Now we've learned to live with it just like we're learning to live with COVID. True. It's all true. It's all true. No matter, Facebook's going to take it down. That is too far. That is too much. You, you talk about an authentic politics. We now have a company that largely controls the flow of information around the internet. They are now censoring the president of the United States for no reason whatsoever. That is absolutely unacceptable. The government needs to go after Facebook with everything they've got, which I believe the DOJ is already doing. We cannot tolerate that. You see now everything, we're all arguing about the politics of some brand. We're all arguing over the politics of our relationship to our teacher, our friends, or our family. But we're told we're not allowed to discuss the politics of a private company censoring the duly elected president, a private company which largely controls the flow of information around the internet. I want to lose the stupid personal politics. I want to regain the actual important public politics. Any political ideology that tells you it's fine for some Silicon Valley oligarch to censor the president of the United States is an incorrect political view, I'm afraid. It's an insufficient one. It's made some mistakes. Silicon Valley, by the way, lest you think there's some balance out there, there isn't. A new report from Wired Magazine says that almost 95% of political donations from employees at Silicon Valley companies, we're talking about all the big ones, you know, Google, Facebook, Twitter, all the Apple, 95% go to Joe Biden. Donations to Joe Biden from these employees of big tech companies have been double those that went to Hillary Clinton in 2016. All of those companies, Wired reports that these, these tech firms' employees have contributed 20 times as much money to Biden as to Trump since the start of 2019. So these guys are pretending to be impartial. They're saying, look, we're just independent fact checkers, totally independent. But also, we're all Democrats. We all donate to Democrats. And we're going to censor the president for nothing, for nothing, for saying things that are true, that we don't like. And we're going to pretend it's not political. Big tech employees are not the only partisan Democrats right now pretending to be nonpartisan. Did you watch Joe Biden's town hall the other night? Probably not. Who would have? So this was on NBC, and it was a town hall with undecided voters. Now, the, the undecided voters come out and they ask these softball questions to Biden, and this is supposed to be a nice, fair, nonpartisan event, right? The trouble is, some of those undecided voters looked familiar. Some people at the Washington Free Beacon went through some of the previous town halls, some of the previous news clips, found out that those undecided voters previously had identified themselves as Joe Biden voters. So it opens up on October 5th, just yesterday, two days ago. Welcome back to Welcome Back Miami and the town hall meeting with former Vice President Joe Biden taking questions from undecided voters. Peter Gonzalez has next question. Uh, welcome to Miami, Mr. Vice Peter President. Um, I was born in Hartford, Connecticut, and I've been living in Coral Gables for the last 20 plus years. We get four more years of Trump. Here he is August Good 21st. Luck. 
He says he's voting for Biden. Future, attracting younger voters. Let's go to Ismail Eliano, who voted for Hillary Clinton four October years 5th. ago, but has voted Republican in the past. What's your question for Mr. Biden? Hi, Mr. Vice President. Things that, you know, that, that, that Joe Biden said during his speech that resonated. Same guy with says he's was, voting for Biden, October you know, 21st. What defines America as possibility? Mateo Gomez joins us now. Uh, first time voter, came to the U.S. from Columbia at age two. Welcome. Spent a lot of time October 5th. Thank you, Lester, for the introduction. After watching the debate, Mateo Gomez told yes. us he really didn't September 30th. Like he got a whole lot out of it, and it really did not do a lot to help him. If you had to pull the trigger and vote for someone tomorrow, how would you vote? September 30th? Probably Biden. He's going to vote for Biden. It there would it be. There it is. Because just how unpresidential the whole entire debate was. So... We've now got three allegedly undecided voters on NBC who are all self-described Joe Biden voters. So it's a, it's a farce. It's not real. It's a show. It is a total performance of lies. That could be the subtitle of the election. They're all, they're all pretending. Look, we're not really political. I love this when my friend, when my, it's always my liberal friends who tell me this. They say, you know, look, I'm not really political. Me, look, I'm, a, I'm kind of a moderate, actually. I just think we should have abortion on demand. I think that experts should make all of our political decisions. I think we need socialist health care. I think we need to raise taxes on the rich. And I think we need open borders. Look, I'm not political. I'm, it's just common sense. This is what they do when they say they're going to take away guns, usually for public health, right? And they pretend it's not political. They say, look, I, I'm not trying to get into politics. Or I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to get rid of your Second Amendment or whatever that thing is you like. I'm just, I'm just talking about common sense gun reform. Just common sense. And I'm sure, by the way, that their views are common sense if you are a liberal who believes that liberalism is the only political view that it is legitimate to hold. But for the rest of us who are not liberals, then we look at it and we say, uh, no, that's not common sense. It actually seems very nonsensical. Now, there is good news here, though, because as the left puts on this performance about the lack of politics, the nonpartisan people, the people who are independent. For the actual undecided voters, Trump is doing great. For the actual undecided voters, issue by issue, everything stacks against Joe Biden. New study was released last week that showed 66 to 70% of likely voters in five battleground states support school choice, publicly funded school choice. School choice is a huge winning issue for Republicans. We should talk about it all the time because Joe Biden totally opposes it. Donald Trump totally supports it. This is from the Manhattan Institute, which commissioned this survey, added it on to a a poll from Rasmussen. This was conducted in Pennsylvania, Ohio, Wisconsin, Michigan, North Carolina, all these battleground states. Joe Biden has a very, very negative view of school choice. And so the point is, if I'm president, Betsy DeVos's whole notion from charter schools to this are gone. All gone. I actually asked Secretary DeVos about this when she came on the Verdict podcast with, um, with me and Senator Cruz. You can check out that episode as well. Now, why are Democrats doing this? It's so unpopular. They're doing this because they're in bed with the teachers unions. The teachers unions are part of their constituency. They in some, in some parts own the Democratic Party. So they're not allowed to support school choice, even though 70% of people support it. Trump and the Republicans should run hard on this. There's another big issue too. There's another big issue that the Republicans and Trump in particular ran on in 2016. 
And he hasn't talked about it as much in 2020, but it's a huge winning issue. And the Democrats are completely wrong on it. It is not working at all. It does involve security. It does involve protection. And when you want to protect your car, you've got to turn to CarShield, okay? I know that with CarShield, I don't worry about any sort of uh, problems with my car. Why? CarShield offers a wide range of protection plans that can save you thousands of dollars for a covered repair. That means that, that when that check engine light comes on, it is a lot less scary than it used to be. You have the freedom to choose your favorite mechanic. You get the freedom to choose your favorite dealership to do the work. And CarShield gets the rest taken care of. It's not just that you got to use their one guy who's out in the middle of Palookaville. Even if your car breaks down while you're traveling, the choice of a repair shop is still up to you. And on top of that, there is no long-term contract or commitment. Payments are flexible. CarShield plans are customizable to your exact needs. They've helped over 1 million drivers. That's why they are America's number one auto protection company. I highly recommend this, especially as someone whose car has broken down a number of times. I used to dread it. I used to dread the car repairs. Now with CarShield, I have peace of mind. Get coverage today. See why CarShield cars go farther. Call 800-665-2157. Mention code Knowles or visit carshield.com and use code Knowles to save 10%. That is carshield.com. Code Knowles and a deductible may apply. All right. Tonight we've got the vice presidential debate between Pence and Harris. The Daily Wire's very own Matt Walsh will be live reacting to it in all access. Join him tonight at 845 Eastern, 545 Pacific. Head on over to dailywire.com. If you are not a Daily Wire member already, join all access today. 20% off with code debate. You can watch it all live. Head over to dailywire.com. We'll be right back with a lot more. Welcome back. School choice, big winner among the undecided voters, but then there's another big winner. And the left, they want to pretend that people are on their side with this issue, but they're not. That issue is immigration. Washington Post just comes out. They say, Trump's refugee ceiling is bad for everyone but bigots. Here we go. Deplorable, irredeemable, dregs of society. That's what you are. If you oppose taking in more and more immigrants into this country. Now, what President Trump has said is that he's going to reduce the number of immigrants who come into the country. Not by a a lot, just by very little. He said as a matter of the refugee policy, in the new fiscal year, 15,000 refugees will come into the country. 15,000 seems pretty nice. Now, before that, under the Obama administration, you saw a cap at about 96,000. But why would we be taking in all of these refugees when there has been relative peace all around the globe? We've been pulling out of these wars. One of the arguments for taking in refugees is, look, we're involved in these wars. And because of that, we have a responsibility to these local populations. We're going to take them in. Whether or not you agree with that argument, that that was the argument. Now we're saying, okay, we're still going to take in 15,000. We're just not going to take in, I don't know, 100,000. America takes in more immigrants legal as well as illegal than any country on earth. By a long shot, we're talking about like 2 million per year. The last 60 years has been the largest migration from one place to another or from multiple places to another in the history of civilization. We've never seen a larger migration than we have into the United States over the past 60 years. And people justifiably 
think maybe that's a little bit too much. Not because we don't like people around the world, but just because it's very difficult to assimilate that many people. We have the largest foreign-born percentage of the population that we've had since the 1890s. And at this time, we're, we're being told we have to discourage assimilation. Well, if you don't have a common culture, if you don't have a common language, if you don't have common practices, then you don't have a country, right? Then you don't have a common country. And that's what we're seeing coming apart at the seams. It's not really the immigrants' fault necessarily. It's the, the policies and the people who are using immigration policy to try to further weaken the country because they think the country is rotten and evil and no good, such as the people who support, for instance, the 1619 Project view of America or the people who believe that America is hopelessly bigoted or the people who want to destroy our system of law and order. Any of those people. Most Americans, though, want to reduce immigration levels. There was a survey that came out a couple years ago that showed that Americans want to reduce immigration dramatically by 60% or so. And this is a majority of Americans who want to do it, not just Republicans. It cuts into Democrats as well. That's a big winner. We were told when Trump came down that escalator in 2015, remember, we were told this guy, there's no way this guy's going to win. He just said, that, Ill, that illegal immigration might not be a great thing. He called illegal immigrants criminals and rapists and murderers. There's no way he's never going to win a Hispanic vote. And he's certainly never going to win. And what was so funny is you had a lot of Hispanic voters saying like, yep, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Those drug cartels, man, they're pretty bad. They cross the border a whole lot. We don't like them. We're very against them. Of course, because people all agree with it. Not all of them, but most people agree with this. But Political correctness means they're not allowed to say it out loud. So then when someone comes in, such as a Trump, and says what they're thinking, they might criticize him in public, but they will vote for him. That's a great issue for Republicans. School choice, abortion, both going in our favor. Or school choice, rather, immigration, both going in our favor. Abortion, actually, though, is as well. And Joe Biden has now gone completely out in the open on abortion. There used to be a view among the allegedly devout Catholics in this country who supported abortion. They obviously weren't particularly devout Catholics, but they would support abortion and they would justify it to themselves and to the public by saying, look, I am personally very against killing all these babies, but politically it is a right. It's a constitutional right. You can see it right there in the constitutional text, right below the penumbras and right above the emanations. It's an invisible ink, but you can see it. It's right there. It's right there. And so therefore, we have to have legal abortion. Well, they're not even, they're not even pretending that anymore. Now, with the possible shift in the, the court to being more conservative with the nomination of Amy Coney Barrett, there's a possibility, I don't think it's a very high possibility, but there's a possibility that Roe v. Wade gets overturned. So Joe Biden was asked at this town hall the other night, what will you do if it gets overturned? He said, oh, well, no more of this abortion should be safe and rare. Abortion, you know, it's constitutional, even though I oppose it. He says he would make Roe v. Wade the law of the land. Number one, we don't know exactly what she will do, although the expectation is that she may very well move to overview, overrule Roe. And but the only thing, the only responsible response to that would be to pass legislation making Roe the law of the land. That's what I would do. That's what he would do. He would make it the law of the land. It was so interesting the way this woman asked the question too. He was asked right just by constituents in the town hall. And when the woman wanted to ask about abortion, obviously that was what the whole question was about. That's what Biden's whole answer is about. She couldn't bring herself to actually use the term abortion. 
I knew whenever I was graduating high school and entering college that I wanted to obtain my degree and start a career before starting a family. Having access to birth control and safe reproductive health care was imperative in making that um, true for me. So um, considering the new Supreme Court nomination of Amy um, Coney Barrett, what are your particular plans to protect women's reproductive rights in the U.S.? Just as a, a pure matter of semantics, abortion is not reproductive rights. It's the opposite of reproductive rights. It, do, it does the opposite of reproduction, right? There's no, there's no way you can use the term reproduction to refer to abortion. Those are, those are opposite things. But she can't bring herself to say it. She can't bring herself to say it because it's obviously such a ghastly thing. And it's such a ghastly thing. It's so obviously wrong that even its most ardent supporters can't say the name. Abortion. Abortion. What is abortion? Even abortion is a clinical term. Killing a baby. They can't say it, even though they support it. But Joe Biden is taking a pretty extreme view of it. He's saying, okay, look, maybe it's not a constitutional right, but I would pass a law. Now, Passing a law for abortion, I guess, is more constitutionally legitimate than just pretending that it's in some clause of the Constitution. But does Joe Biden really think this is going to help him win Pennsylvania, help him win Wisconsin, or Carolina? I don't think so. I don't think it will. Because even though it's about a 50-50 issue, it's not as though the majority of Americans are pro-life, but it's about 50-50. 50-50 is enough to drive a wedge between Biden and those swing state voters. And then you have the racial demagoguery. You have this racial issue that keeps cropping up that is not merely the wackos, Ibram Kendi, that pseudo-scholar con artist, or the 1619 Project, another pseudo-scholarly con job. You even hear Michelle Obama ginning up racial tensions in the hope that she can hold on to her voters. They're stoking fears about black and brown Americans lying about how minorities will destroy the suburbs whipping up violence and intimidation, and they're pinning it all on what's been an overwhelmingly peaceful movement for racial solidarity. It's true. Research backs it up. Only a tiny fraction of demonstrations have had any violence at all. So what the president is doing is once again, patently false. It's morally wrong. And yes, it is racist, but that doesn't mean it won't work. The one thing this president is really, really good at is using fear and confusion and spreading lies to win. BLM is a mostly peaceful movement. Didn't you know that? I mean, they burned down Minneapolis. They burned down Kenosha. They burned down Atlanta. They burned down DC. They burned, they're burning down all of these cities, but it's only a very, very tiny fraction of these anarchists and rioters who are burning down these cities. The rest of them are just marching with them as they burn down the cities. You know, only a very, very tiny fraction of Serbian nationalists started World War I. It's not a big deal. Okay. Only a very, very tiny fraction of Islamists have attacked the homeland and killed thousands of civilians. A very tiny fraction of them. So it's not a big deal, right? This movement may be fiery, but it's mostly peaceful. <laughs> that's Michelle. That's her line, I guess. And she's sticking to it. And it's the same old church. Trump is a racist. He's a racist, isn't he? He says that 
minorities are going to ruin the suburbs. That's not what he says. He just reversed an Obama era bureaucratic rule that took the rights of zoning away from suburban communities, gave it to the federal government completely illegitimately, and tried to move very, very low income people from the inner cities. And when I say low income, by the way, I'm not talking about the blue collar working class. I'm talking about people who are receiving welfare benefits, who are in, often gaming the system, trying to ship them up to communities. And the communities have no say in that at all. And what was the point of that? Purely political, purely political. Because generally the cities are blue, generally the country is red, and the suburbs are the battleground. The, the, the suburbs are purple. So if you can shift up a lot of Democratic voters into the suburbs, what happens? The suburbs all go blue. That's another example of this issue where we say, look, it's not poli- this is not political. This is just the experts are saying we've got to put the, the very low-income welfare recipients into these suburban communities. That's not, look, that's not politics. Okay, that's just common sense common sense, right? It seems pretty political to me. And I, I don't think Michelle Obama's fooling anybody, certainly nobody with, with common sense. Then you've got the, the ace in the hole for Trump in November. That is the confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett, who is now going to be front and center. Mitch McConnell says, Amy Coney Barrett is going to be a huge key to the November elections. Well, what's going to really help the Senate races, I think, are putting the Supreme Court justice front and center, let the American people take a look at her, evaluate her credentials. Every single challenger to every one of my incumbents is opposed to this nominee, every single one of them. So we'll let the American people in each of these states that are hotly contested decide how important the United States Supreme Court is in casting their vote November 3rd. Of course, of course, it's going to be very important. Think about what Kavanaugh did in, in the last cycle. So I think it's very smart. You got to focus on Amy Coney Barrett. Part of what's going on now to do that is that President Trump is halting discussions for COVID-19 relief. And this is being made very controversial, especially on the right. What is he doing? He's losing the election. You've got to send people those free $1,200 checks. I don't think so. I think Trump is actually totally right. First of all, he tweeted out, he said, I'm halting the relief talks. I'm going to wait until after the election. Then we're going to get a big fat relief check. Now, this is very possibly a negotiating tactic. He might very possibly be just putting pressure on Nancy Pelosi here. So I'm not even sure I take that statement at face value. But even if he's serious, it's not necessarily a bad idea. Washington can't do multiple things at the same time. Certainly can't do multiple big things at the same time. A COVID relief package is a pretty big deal. Nancy Pelosi wants 2.4 trillion, I think. Trump wants 1.6 trillion. Never the twain shall meet. The confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett is going to be the biggest political decision in years. If they try to do them both at the same time, you are going to see some intermingling of these negotiations, I think. You're going to see some tit for that, some kind of trade-offs here. Maybe the Democrats come to one of those squishy Republican senators and say, look, we'll give you this if we win, if we do this, if you maybe change your vote on Barrett. You could see people saying, okay, look, we've got to delay the vote on Barrett, but then I'll give you this for your state or for your district. It's going to get very, very complicated. There's no way to predict how complicated it could get. So unless you get a clean COVID relief bill, which I think that would be fine, but unless you do that, it's much more important to focus on Amy Coney Barrett. The political benefit from confirming Judge Barrett is going to be much greater than maybe sending people a thousand bucks or 1200 bucks of their own money again. 
even though they probably won't get that for some time. As a political calculation, I think it's actually pretty smart, at least, at the very least, to make this threat right now. Because there are people now who are trying to claim victories today and people who are trying to work for victories tomorrow. And some people are giving up victories today to work for those victories tomorrow. You know, President Trump, we're all very happy that he's recovered. Well, Dr. Fauci says not so fast. Dr. Fauci was on Chris Cuomo's show on CNN. And he comes out and he says, hey, don't celebrate President Trump's recovery. He could have a reversal any day. Even if he is getting better, you're going to have to keep, well, not you. They will have to keep monitoring him, right? Just to make sure there's no residual or secondary or long haul. I mean, even if you have a quick spell with great experimental treatment, you still got to be a little worried there, right? Well, Chris, rather than worrying about the long haul, you know, we, he looks fine, as you can see, the way he looked when he came out of the hospital. The issue is that he's still early enough in the disease that it's no secret that if you look at the clinical course of people, sometimes when you're five to eight days in, you could have a reversal. His physicians know a reversal, meaning going in the wrong direction and get into trouble. Oh, that's what a reversal is. Thank you, Dr. Fauci, for clearing that up. I didn't know what the word reversal means. Yeah, I know. Of course. Yes. Oh my gosh, this guy, this guy, why is he still in public life? He's been around forever. This guy, he was probably the medical advisor to George Washington. He's been in that job since the eighties. That's weird. Why has he been in that job so long? That's not political. That's not, that's why it's not political. The elected people, they're political. They come and go, but Fauci, no, he's not political. He just uh, runs a lot of our political life, but he's not political. That's why he's been there for 50 years. Dr. Fauci says, look, Trump is doing better, but he could get worse. Yeah, sure. We all could. I don't know. We could, I could get hit by a bus tomorrow. I hope I don't, God forbid, but I go, I could. It doesn't mean you don't celebrate the wins today. This is something Trump understands very well. Trump always takes the win. He takes the win on the stock market. He takes the win on the Kanye endorsement. He takes the win on COVID. He takes the win. And people say, Trump, you shouldn't do that because the stock market could go down tomorrow. Trump, you shouldn't do that because Kanye might say something crazy tomorrow. Trump, you shouldn't do that. You might get sicker tomorrow. He goes, yeah, sure. I'll deal with that tomorrow. I am not going to give away an actual victory today because of a possible loss tomorrow. By the way, the Democrats aren't going to give me credit for victories anyway. They're going to say that everything's a loss anyway. So who cares? I'm not going to have to pay any political consequence at all. Absolutely. Take the win. Take the victory. We're going to see tonight if we're going to get another victory at the vice presidential debate. We do though. I have, before we get into that debate, we'll have to see what happens tonight because the Democrats are requesting that Mike Pence be enclosed in a plexiglass box so that he doesn't infect Kamala. Doesn't want to get Kamala sick. Now, of course, Kamala with that crazy cackle of hers, I think is much more likely to get Mike Pence sick. She's got all those droplets all the time from that nervous laughter she, she it, it goes into when she gets called out for her lies. So Pence obviously says, you know, I don't think, I don't think I want to be in a plexiglass cage for the debate. I don't, I don't think that's a good look. Well, it's not a political question, Mr. Pence, because the medical experts, Dara Cass, not political, Dara Cass, MD, who, yes, she has her pronouns as the first two words in her bio, she, her, uh, but she, and she, she has this group called Fem in M in the EM and like emergency medicine. I don't, I guess that's what that means. Feminist, so that's kind of like a feminist and she has the word boss in her bio. That's, 
Nobody who calls themselves boss is really much of a boss, I suspect, but it sounds kind of feministy. But look, she's not, I'm just, well, here's what I'm saying. She's not political. And she's saying he's got to be on the plexiglass. So let's be honest, this is not only about Senator Harris. What she's doing is advocating for the appropriate behavior from the vice president for everybody at the venue. Remembering that when he enters the facility, will he be wearing a mask? Will, when he gets on stage, what happens to the housekeeping staff, the AV staff, all the people in the audience, the moderator? The only plexiglass barrier that should be mandatory at this vice presidential debate should be around Vice President Pence. And let's be honest, if he's saying, I don't care enough about those at the facility, not just about Senator Harris, then he's really exemplifying what it means to be the leader of the COVID task force. I mean, it's just like, it's just common sense. I mean, come on. It's just, uh, we should take Mike Pence and put him in a little box and throw him down a well. Uh, because, you know, because he, he doesn't have this, this virus that, you know, statistically, like statistically 99 plus percent of people are going to recover from. He doesn't have it, but he, but he, I don't know. He like knows a guy who had it and, uh, well, I'm sure Kamala Harris knows people who've had it too, but that's not, anyway, hold on, I'm, I'm missing my point. Uh, it's just the appropriate behavior, the scientifically non-political appropriate behavior is to banish Mike Pence to an island in the middle of the Caribbean. Okay. It's just, <laughs> it's not politics. It's just science. I think it's politics. I think we need to re-examine our politics. I think we need to re-embrace our politics. Politics is not a dirty word. And the, and the more we pretend that it is, the more politics will be absolutely dominated by the left. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Assistant director, Pavel Wadowski. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, Nika Geneva. And production assistant, Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there.